After you've been in business for a while, many of us start to think, I'm ready for a change. It's time for a pivot. But it can be scary. We might be worried that we're blowing up our business simply because we are ready for something a little bit different. Well, for today's CEO confession, I'm joined by copywriter turned launch strategist Tarzan K to talk about how she pivoted in her business and the lessons learned along the way. Are you ready to grow from solopreneur to CEO? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Rachel Cook, and I've spent the last decade helping women entrepreneurs start and scale service-based businesses. If you're serious about building a sustainable business, it's time to put the strategy, systems, and support in place to make it happen. Join me every week for candid conversations about stepping into your role as CEO, the hard lessons learned along the way, and practical, profitable strategies to grow a sustainable business without the hustle and burnout. Before we dive into today's very special interview with my friend Tarzan K, I want to take a moment to give a quick listener shout out. This review was left over an Apple podcast by Islands In, and she says, I have been enjoying listening to the podcast because it provides simple yet actionable steps to achieve success and wholeness in your business without becoming overwhelmed or burned out in the process. I love how transparent the host is with her own struggles of wholeness for her life and business and how what she she learned can help others in their entrepreneurial journey. Thank you so much for this review. And I love that you shared that word wholeness because one thing I always keep at the forefront of my mind whenever I'm creating this podcast or really creating anything for you guys is I want to always be approaching this from a holistic perspective. And what I mean by that is often I feel like there is advice out there that is very one size fits all tips and tricks, cookie cutter advice. And it just does not apply to how most of us are running our business or the way that our business fits in the scope of our entire life. And that is something that is really frustrating to me as someone running a business is when I hear things that just do not fit because it does not fit into the holistic picture of my business and my life. So I really appreciate that comment. I really appreciate you taking the time to leave a review for me. And if you want to learn more about my approach to supporting people with this holistic approach to their life and business, I would love for you to join me for this upcoming live masterclass I'm hosting on October 1st and October 2nd, the three essential strategies to designing a predictably profitable business without hustle and burnout. If you've been loving the Promote Yourself to CEO show, you will love this upcoming live masterclass. My goal is that you walk away with a clear picture of your 12-month profit plan and what you need to have in place in your business so that you are getting consistent clients and cash flow. You're getting paid from your business each and every month. It's one of my favorite trainings to offer, and I would love to see you there. All the details are at yoursweetspotstrategy.com, or you can click the link in the show notes. Now let's get into today's episode. In 2014, I was coming up against something in my business that was incredibly frustrating for me. At the time, my business was operating under the brand, The Yogipreneur. It was a brand that I launched in 2008 when literally my yoga teacher, Arlene, asked for my support in her business, in her yoga studio, and then turned to me one day and said, you should host a workshop called The Yogipreneur. And I thought, oh, what a great brand. 
And that brand served me well for many, many years. If you listened to last week's episode of Promote Yourself to CEO, when I shared my entire journey of going from one-on-one services to having an online course, a group program, then you know that my business started as the Yogipreneur. And I think, I truly believe that being in that niche, having such a clear brand was a huge reason why I was able to see the traction that I did. But over the years, something interesting started to happen for me. I started to see that more non-yoga businesses were coming into my world. I was getting messages and emails from people saying, Rach, I'm not a yoga teacher, but I'm a life coach. Could you help me? Rach, I'm not a yoga teacher, but I'm a holistic healthcare practitioner. Could you help me? Rach, I'm not a yoga teacher, but I'm a website designer. Rach, I'm not a yoga teacher, but I'm a photographer. And all of these different types of businesses kept showing up to the point where when I did a survey in 2014, only 35% of the people in my community were actually running yoga businesses. And it was an interesting spot for me to be in. I realized that while my niche of just working with yoga businesses had helped me get off to a fast start, I had outgrown that brand. And it was time for me to pivot. It was time for me to step in to the next level for my business. And it took me a little while. It was not the easiest transition. In fact, I am the first to say I didn't do such an elegant job of making that transition. For a while, I was trying to hold on to the Yogi Printer and evolve into just my personal brand, Rachel Cook. But I decided to just step into rachelcook.com and Rachel Cook MBA is my brand because at the time, it felt like the easiest way the easiest umbrella for all the things that I wanted to talk about in my business. And there were still some moving parts that I had to figure out and that I had to sort through. But when people ask me, what was it like to pivot from the yogipreneur to Rachel Cook? Or why did you make that pivot? The biggest reason was I felt like I had outgrown it. And the biggest indicator I had outgrown it was that my audience was shifting. I was attracting a broader audience and I had really gotten passionate about talking about some other things that weren't just for yoga business owners. And I realized that it was time. So you might be going through this period of business for yourself. You might be going through this feeling, the stage of, have I outgrown my business? Is my community shifted? Has my message shifted or drifted from where I started? And maybe it's time to step into something bigger. Well, that is what happened with my friend Tarzan K. When Tarzan and I first met each other at an event hosted by Amy Porterfield, her entrepreneur experience, I believe in December of 2018, Amy had told everybody in the audience that Tarzan was her amazing copywriter and had been working on all of her email copy and all of her launches. And of course, that really kicked off Tarzan's entire trajectory as a sought after copywriter, especially launch copywriter. But over the years, Tarzan realized that there was a lot more she had to offer and that the launch only copywriting was such a narrow part of what she could provide to people. She really wanted to look at their entire launch strategy and really be there to help guide them from that bigger picture perspective. So I'm really excited to interview Tarzan because if you've ever wondered what it would look like to pivot your business and some of the hard lessons learned along the way, 
I think you'll get a lot out of this episode. Hey there, everyone. Rachel Cook here with my guest and friend, Tarzan K for this special episode of The CEO Confessions. Welcome, Tarzan. I'm so excited you're joining me. Thanks for having me, Rachel. You know, I've been watching what you're doing for a while, and I see you breaking the mold in so many places. I just love what you're doing, so it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. And we had the pleasure of getting to know each other um, I think it was about two years back, we were at the same table for an event at Amy Porterfield's Entrepreneur Experience, mm-hmm. and then you and I reconnected, and you supported me around email copywriting for one of my launches and automated launch strategies, and I have had so much fun like watching your business transform over the last few years, starting as kind of like the copywriter for hire, and now you're taking on this higher level strategy. So to get started, I'd love to have you share with us kind of how you got started in your business and what has been the big shift or change or obstacle you've been going through recently as you're changing up from being like the go-to Porterfield, Amy Porterfield copywriter. Mm, Yeah. Okay, great. This is super fresh for me. So I'm excited to talk about it. So for most of my the life of my business, I've been a copywriter and I started out doing absolutely whatever anyone wanted me to. And very quickly, I niched down to emails and sales pages um, because I saw that that was like the closest to the money. And my clients could like easily make the connection like, okay, Tarzan writes me a new email sequence. I'm going to make more money as opposed to like write this blog post or like social media updates, like stuff at the top of the funnel that's like way far away from the money and it's hard to make the money connection. So I did that for a couple of years and I started to get known when I started working with Amy Porterfield. And um, so she had mentioned my name on her podcast a few times and uh, I had gone to a couple of her events. I spoke on her stage. Uh, She does a annual event So I spoke there and um, I started to get known as like Amy Porterfield's copywriter. So I get tons of leads. Like I I get tons and tons of leads from her. Like people, well, tons, like I'm like for one-on-one services, like I can't take that many clients, but it's interesting how many of my private clients are like, oh, I heard Amy Porterfield mention you or like I saw you speak on her stage. But I do want to back up a second and say like, that's not my only lead source. And I built up to that, right? Like prior to that, I was involved in a lot of groups and um, there were of course people finding me in other ways. Uh, So that's what I've been doing for most of my business. But what I found was that what I was doing for clients wasn't necessarily serving them in the best way because they would come to me and they would say like, Tarzan, can you write me a sales page? And I'd be like, okay, Uh, I, I did day rate work, exclusively day rate work for a long time. So they would come to me and say, I would write their sales page in a day and then send them away. And really like a sales page is a really important part of a sales funnel, um, but it's only one part. So if you don't get the, re- the webinar registration page right, or like you maybe even haven't like optimized your thank you pages, there's just like so many moving parts to mm-hmm. a launch that, and, and I have like, you know, stuff that I want to share on all of them, right down to like how you create your checkout page and what software you use for that and like how to optimize your thank you pages. So 
I have, and in the meantime, I was doing all of my own launches. So I was like launching courses, mastermind program, all sorts of different stuff. And, um, I was learning so much about launches, launching with clients. Like I was really learning how like so much more than copywriting and how the whole launch is structured and like what makes a launch successful and what makes it not successful. So this year, like early this year, I officially started my transition from being known as a copywriter uh, and being and specifically being known as Amy Porterfield's copywriter. I don't write for her anymore. People still call me that all the time. I'm like, A, not a copywriter anymore. B, <laughs> not working for Amy Porterfield. I work with her. I promote her program. Uh, it's an important launch for me, but um, not working for her. So now I'm making the transition from copywriter to launch strategist. And that's like, it's been really interesting because I've become known as this copywriter and known with this like A-list connection and not just Amy, there are some other people, but she's like by far the most famous. So, you know, all these people, like tons of copywriters on my email list that follow me because they want to learn about copywriting and growing their copywriting business. Um, but so I'm now transitioning into launch strategist and I exclusively accept those types of clients. And they're still coming to me. Like yeah. I'm not struggling to find the clients, but definitely like, you know, I go to an event and they're introducing me as a copywriter and saying all this stuff that I feel like is not even relevant anymore. So this is definitely a big challenge that I'm working on right now. I think this is so interesting because, you know, a lot of copywriters would have loved to have been in your position where you're getting referrals from Amy's people. You're getting referrals from like Joanna Weeb at Copy Hackers mm -hmm. and um, Rye Schwartz and all these mm -hmm. other people who are pretty big in the online marketing copywriting world sending you all these leads. So has what has been the most difficult part um, about making the transition for you? So, oh my gosh, saying no to people is really hard. Like people that I really admire and would really love to work with. Like um, someone I've been following for a while and really love is Brooke Castillo. She approached me earlier this year about writing for her. And I was like, I can't believe I'm saying no to this. Uh, and there's several other like seven figure entrepreneurs. Like I have enough celebrity now that people are hearing about me. My name is really memorable. So I'm getting all these leads and like, oh man, sometimes when I hit that reply and I'm like, I'm no longer doing copywriting. Would you like referral? Cause at that level, they really do just need a copywriter They're, I'm not going to pitch someone on launch strategy. That's not what they need. So I, would you like referral? Like I've sent that so many times that email and like, whew, I think it's important. Like, I think it's a chance to affirm to myself. Like I believe my, I believe in my value as a launch strategist. Like I believe this is the future of my business. Um, but it's still hard to hit send. But on the other hand, um, I do train copywriters and course creators how to do email and, um, so I have like lots of copywriters that have been through my program and it's like, the, it just feels so good to refer them great clients. Like mm -hmm. that's been the best feeling is just to pass those people on. And, and then I also get to watch as like those copywriters like come into, you know, the next stage of their business working with a really big client. Like it's actually, it's awesome, but you know, like anything in business, it's awesome. And it's also really hard. 
Yeah. It's so hard whenever you know that you need to make a decision like that and kind of change focus and make a bit of a pivot. And you're still so successful on that other line. So you end up feeling like you're leaving money on the table. And I have been through that just in my own brand shift as I went from the Yogipreneur brand in 2014, 2015, exclusively to Rachel Cook. And I started telling people, no, I'm no longer doing that. And I think a lot of people are scared to make such a leap like that. What helped you feel confident that this was the right direction for you to go in in your business? Well, I like, I want to do work that I enjoy and work that's going to get the results for the client. So, you know, I started with like one or two clients that are coming to me to plan their launch email by email day by day and help them execute. And I really love that style of working with clients. So like, it's like an hour at a time. It's way, it's more coaching than writing. So I don't feel burnt out. Like writing for a day rate, any copywriter will tell you it is so hard. Like, not like it's so hard. I mean, I can write. So the writing comes easily, but it just takes so much energy. Mm-hmm. So I knew like I could, I could book more of those clients, but it's going to like suck me dry and I won't have the time for my own promotions. So like I thought, and ultimately like, this is what clients really need more than just having someone to do it all for them. Like they need done with you much more than done for you. So I love the work better. It gets better results for the clients. And I have to remind myself that every time I send someone away to get someone else to write their copy. That's such a good reminder. And I'm so glad you bring up that this is what is better for your clients because I feel like often we get stuck into what might be easier for us to just stay on that path that we were originally on and not want to veer off and say, Hey, actually, I know you want this one piece. Like you just want the emails from me, but I know that without these other pieces and the big picture, you're not going to get where you want to go. And that it takes a lot of integrity to tell somebody that, um, and to kind of hold them to what they really want instead of just thinking they can just kind of put a bandaid on one piece of something. So I think that's amazing yeah. that you're doing yeah. that. So that actually, that is where it's really helped me to have a lot of celebrity because when people come to me, like it, it's not just for copy. They often come to me because they've heard about me and they're like, I want to work with Tarzan. So for a copywriter that's not well known, like it would be a hard sell to say like, well, you don't need this. You need this other thing. But because they're coming to me and they believe in me so much and they like my vibe, they maybe they've been on my list for a while or they met me somewhere. They're like, Tarzan, I just know that you're like really the boss of this and I want to work with you. Therefore, it's like, you know, it's easier for me to make that transition and say, hey, no, actually, you don't just need me to write your sales page. Um, We need to go through all these different things. And this is how we're going to do that. So that takes building up a lot of credibility and trust. And I think often, especially for service providers um, who are doing, who were doing or are doing more done for you services like copywriters, we often see a lot of like the cobbler's children have no shoes where Mm -hmm. they're busy behind the scenes in someone else's business, but they don't actually build that relationship with other people. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you have built that trust with people. Um, that has helped them believe in like, okay, she's saying I need this whole other thing and I'm going to take her up on that. Yeah. Okay. So that, what you just said, like I just talked about that exact thing on the webinar yesterday. Um, 
uh, copywriters are the worst like cobbler's children. They have this incredible skill of writing sales pages and emails, yet they don't keep up with their own email list. And ultimately, like that's been the most powerful commitment I ever made to my business was I started off making a commitment to email my list bi-weekly when I had 37 people on my list. And I was like, I don't care. I'm doing it. And I put it on my, I put it on my calendar. So every two weeks I got a reminder. And by the end of that year, I had made it a habit. So I didn't need to have it in my calendar anymore because it was just automatic. And, um, so it was after about a year that I made the first offer to my list. And in fact, I think that that is when you and I worked together. I sent out an offer for the first time. Like I had just been nurturing, nurturing, nurturing. And I don't make, I don't create a ton of content. I just write great emails. Sometimes they have no link in them. So, uh, but I show up consistently. And then when I made an offer, I got this huge response and booked all this business. And I was like, Oh my God, people need to know about this. Like you just have to email your, it seems so obvious, but you know, like you just have to email your list consistently and then you can sell them things. What I find is like a lot of clients would come to me and they'd be like, I have this course. I'm so excited to sell, but they have no audience. And the way I often explain it to people is like, there's actually a, working with a coach, Ron Reich, who taught me this. And he was like, okay, if you picture a triangle, um, there's like, three factors that go into your selling your, your program, audience, offer, and copy. So at the base of the triangle, like six, this is what will determine your success. 60% audience. Like that is the biggest thing. Yep. And that includes the relationship that you've built with them. And then right above that smaller triangle is the offer. So does the offer match the audience? And then right at the top, the final 10% is copy. So the copy is really, really important. Like if you don't have that 10%, it's really hard to sell, even if you have the right offer and the right audience, but you can't just buy great copy to sell your program. Like you have to build that audience and build that trust first. And I learned that the hard way. Like in my first year of business, I think it was, um, or no, it was probably my second year of business. I created an online course and tried to sell it and it was an utter disaster and I was so heartbroken, but I had been emailing my list for like, like three months, like, and not like, you know, every other week. So these people had received like six emails from me total. And yeah. then I was promoting something to them. So like that piece of building that no like, and trust, like you just can't skip it. You can't. So it's definitely showing up consistently. And I love that you said you just started every other week because yeah. that's totally doable. I think a lot of people look at um, some people who are like prolific content creators mm -hmm. and they feel like, well, if I'm not creating like a blog post or a podcast or a video and a newsletter and this and that every single week or two times a week, then I might as well not even bother. And I love that you said like, no, it's just literally just an email. Yeah. Just be consistent. Like you will find some excuse to not email your list. Like, Oh, I don't have enough people. Oh, I didn't create any content. Nothing interesting happened this week. Like you can make, you'll always find an excuse, but ultimately you just have to make that commitment and put it in your calendar and just do it. And your first emails aren't going to be that good. Like you're going to send some crappy emails and then like, uh, you know, once you get the hang of it, occasionally you're going to send something that's like totally legendary and you're going to be like, Oh, okay. I'm getting it now. Now I can do this. 
So yes, you have to put in the work. You have to take the time to learn how to write the newsletters and or emails and how to communicate with your audience. Talk to me about just growing your audience because this is another challenge for a lot of service-based businesses is again, like they're behind the scenes and they're not necessarily out there talking to a ton of people. In fact, a lot of um, service-based businesses are pretty dependent on referrals over like any other channel. So how did you grow your audience so fast? Yeah. So I feel like it wasn't fast. I've always had like not a huge list. It doesn't feel fast and it doesn't even feel very strategic until recently. Like now this starting in 2019, I have like, I'm doing all sorts of things. Um, I'm being way more consistent and I'm seeing big list growth for the first time ever. So I'm showing up on stages all over the place and speaking uh, I'm running Facebook ads, like a couple different campaigns to build to build my list. Um, I'm doing all those things that we kind of know we're supposed to do, but we don't know because they're expensive and require, you know, getting invited to like a big event. Um, but prior to that, so let's say how I got to like 3,000, um, I spoke to people's Facebook groups. I did a, like, and not a lot, but I did a few appearances in front of people's Facebook groups. And still today, I'm, uh, people will tell me like, Oh yeah, you did a Facebook live with Julie Stoyan like three years ago and that's how I found out about you. I'm like, oh cool. So I did a couple of those that were really good and um, I showed up consistently in Facebook groups and I was like doing a lot of just like organic marketing and showing up in the right places. I did a couple of joint webinars here and there, joint webinar with copy hackers who's known for copywriting and uh, a few other places, but it's been slow and not very strategic. And once a year, like I promote B-School, so once a year I would do a list building, like I would put an ad, run ads for like a month and add like a thousand people to my email list. And then for the rest of the year, I was basically just maintaining, like some people coming in and some people going out, like I can sort of maintain the same number. But um yeah, so it's sort of a multi-pronged approach that's not strategic at all. I hope that's not, I hope that's a little bit helpful. It's I okay. Yeah. I think that's totally normal for, again, like people who are focused on service-based businesses, but as your model is shifting, yeah. so now you've got a few different parts of your business mm -hmm. um, going on and it's not just one-to-one -one services. So what does it look like now that you're not just doing like day rate only copywriter for hire? Yeah, so like... Yeah, it's changed quite a lot. Uh, so now I have a mastermind group that focuses on email and like how you're doing email. And I have a couple of like low priced courses for freelancers and like just like workshops that are for sale all the time and don't even have a sales funnel. Um, and then I do my one-on-one -on -one services and I guess that, oh, and I do affiliate promotions. So I do a, like two or three affiliate promotions a year and those are good for like, at least a hundred grand in revenue, probably more like 200. Um, but the, I just wanted to say something about the list growth. Like anytime I do a promotion mm -hmm. and, and I've been able to do a lot with a small list, like that's been my superpower is like, I don't, I know that I can get just as much revenue from a list of 3000 people as someone else with 30,000 people. Wow. Um, Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So tell us the secrets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what okay. is, is, so, and I know this is your superpower, right? It's like why yeah. you're doing the email trainings that you're doing right now. Yeah. And that's 
pretty impressive. And I feel like this is where a lot of my clients get frustrated because, you know, it feels like getting to those first 500 or 1,000 or 3,000 yeah. people on your list. For a lot of people, that can take a while, like a year yeah. or two to get to some of those numbers. And they feel very defeated when they're not getting to the revenue they want fast enough. So mm -hmm. what is it about the way you approach email with these small lists that is different? Yeah. Okay. This is totally my passion. So I'm so glad the conversation came here. So, okay. The number of people on your email list is mostly a vanity metric. And I want people to keep that in mind. Like it doesn't mean anything. What is important is your relationship with the subscribers on your email list. Like what is that, that relationship like? Do people hit reply and What's the quality of those replies? Um, do they like? Are do they respond when you put out an offer? Like that's how you can gauge the quality of your list. Uh, and I, the way I think about my email list is like I don't think it's not about the monies in the list. It's not about the monies in your relationship to the list. The money is in your relationship to individual subscribers. So I build relationships with the individuals on my email list. Like when they hit reply on one of my newsletter emails, like I will start a conversation. Um, I use this great tool called BombBomb uh, to send video replies. Like people love those so much. Um, just for your listeners, it's BombBomb, B-O-M-B, B-O-M-B. Um, it, it's a, such a great tool. So I personalize, like during a launch, I send personalized videos and I'll say like, hey, Thanks so much for attending my webinar and for being active in the chat. Like that makes it a better experience for everyone. And just so you know, if you have questions about my program, like I'm a normal human with the same hopes and dreams that you have. So just like hit me up. Like I'm here to talk to you. When you have a hundred thousand people on your email list, you can't do stuff like that. So I also like, I, I want people to shift their thinking that your small list is not your weakness you can use that to your greatest strength because you can send so many personal things and you can have like deep conversations with people. And actually I find that so nourishing for me. Like I love having those conversations. I like coaching people toward the sale. Like that makes my business feel personal. And that's a big differentiator. People tell me all the time, like Tarzan, I just love being in your, in your like, sphere so much because you're so real. Someone even sent me a, 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 this was such a great email. Someone sent me an email the other day and he was like, um, I got the wrong link when I registered for your webinar, but don't worry. Like part of the reason I like following you is for your rough edges. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, that is so beautiful. Um, because when you have those like personal relationships with people, they can, they will forgive you for a lot. I love that. And I think this is one of those things that I tell people all the time. Like you can take advantage of being more high touch when you're small. And yes, as you scale, maybe these things aren't scalable. Um, but stop worrying about scaling so dang much because you miss so out cool. on the opportunity yeah. of nurturing the people right there in front of you. And I even know like the tool, the email system I use is ConvertKit, which I really love. And if we send out a promotion, I have often gone and checked like who clicked the link to the sales page and send them personal emails. Yeah. Like, Hey, I saw that you checked out the CEO retreat. I'd love to um, answer any questions or, you know, I hope to see you there. And people are always like, 
I can't believe you sent me a message or, you know, yeah. they can't is this really you? Is yeah. this really you? Um, yeah. And I love the idea of video messages back because then they know it's you, right? Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing where this gets interesting is because I send quite a lot of video messages and I also put them in my emails in ConvertKit. So like often in a show up sequence or like uh, even occasionally I'll drop one or two into a promo sequence. There's lots of video in there. So people expect it from me. So when I make a personal video, your listeners can't see, but I'm just going to show you right now. I have this whiteboard and uh-huh. I will write their name on a whiteboard because this tool bomb bomb, what it does is it grabs the first like three to four seconds of your video and turns it into a GIF. So they will, yeah, it's amazing. Like it is the, I have, I'm a bomb bomb evangelist. Like I have a, there's a blog post on my website all about how I use it and what I do with it. So your listeners can go check that out. Um, it is just an incredible tool. So the, the GIF is like super clickable. Like I'll do something silly in the first three minutes, three, three seconds, like to make it funny. And, um, it also like, it's got a play button. So it actually looks like a video in your email. And then it has, uh, the mute button is like X off, which is like, it's good to get people to click on it. Right. Anyway, so I will put the name on a whiteboard so they can see, like, I made this for you. But even then, someone, someone um, mentioned, someone wrote a post somewhere, and they were like, Tarzan, what software did you use to make this? And I was like, girl, I made that for you. That's really, like, I, you know what the software was? It was this whiteboard marker. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So these personal connections, being able to send out personal replies is really important. Um, what else do you do with what else in your whole email strategy makes people so excited to learn about, you know, what else you have to offer? So I focus on small segments. So like as an example, toward the end of my promotion, I will often do a customer only bonus. So, you know, my business hasn't been around that long. I have a couple hundred customers. That's a small segment. That's like a hundred and well, 200 and some people. Yeah. Uh, So I'll do a special bonus for them. And that small, like my open rate on those emails is like, it could be up to like 75%. Like those people have purchased from me and I can show like, Hey, because you're a customer, like I can say something that I know about them. Like you're a customer and I, I really value you so much. Like if you choose to sign up, here's the special bonus that you're going to get. So that's just an example of one segment, but you could have a segment of like people who attended your webinar. So you can say like, you can send an email that's like, Oh my God, you're so amazing for signing up to the webinar, not only signing up, but also attending. Like most people don't do that. So like, you know, give them props. Like you stand out for doing that. Those emails to the really small segments, they always do really well. I also collect a lot of information, not a lot of information about my subscribers, but I have a quiz funnel. And in the quiz, I ask them, are you a service provider or a course creator? So those two, and it has no bearing on your quiz results, but it allows me to tag them in my system because I do offer some things that are just for course creators and other things that are just for freelancers. So that's really important for me to know. I love that. So you're using ConvertKit too, and you tag, mm. tag people like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And some tags you ultimately won't use, like they might not be useful for you, 
but um, others you will. And like that makes people feel seen when you're like, hey, hey, Tarzan, you know what other service providers struggle with? Maybe you felt this too. And like I can talk to them as a service provider because I know that's what they are. I love that. So you're getting more personal. You're asking them to actually start a conversation with you. You're segmenting those emails and writing more personally tailored towards whatever segments or tags mm-hmm. they're in. Um, I'd love to know about how often are you selling versus just giving content or value? Because this is something that I think a lot of people are nervous that they're either selling too much or mm-hmm. not enough. And I tend to find honestly that for most people it's not enough, yeah. <laughs> but I'd love to know, do yeah. you have like a ratio or a formula that yes. you use for how much free value you're providing versus making the pitch? Yeah. Okay. That's a really great question and really common. Just like you said, most people aren't promoting enough. If you're promoting too much, your subscribers will tell you, you will be able to see it in your metrics. So I, and I learned this, another lesson that I learned the hard way. So I promote quite a lot to my list. Like I do, I'm going to say like three, let's say like three big promotions per year, like where I send a lot of webinar invites, a lot of show up emails and a lot of promo emails, actually probably more like four of those per year. And then um, I will drop in a couple of like email only promos that are really simple. They might be just to want, like I did a promo earlier this year. I have this program. It's just a workshop. It's called get paid in USD and it's only for Canadians. So I did a promo earlier this year that was just for Canadians and it was just a bunch of emails. Um, So you can think about like different types of promotions. Like you can't blast them with emails um, all the time, but this is, specific to your audience. So because I have a lot of copywriters on my email list, a lot of them are following my launches just to get the swipe copy. They just want to like watch and see what I'm doing. So they're highly tolerant to promotions, but like people that are not entrepreneurs, they have a much lower tolerance for emails. Like I'll hear my sister say things like it, this, like just brings me back to earth when she'll say something like, Ugh, I just signed up to this thing. And like, now I'm getting like this big promotion and like, you know, like that is sometimes what like entrepreneurs yeah. don't think that way. Cause we're like, Oh cool. A promotion. What's this? Whereas like, you know, if you're serving like, I don't know, moms and teaching them like how to, I don't know, yoga or something like they're going to be less tolerant, yeah. but ultimately they will tell you. So this year I did two back-to-back promotions. I promoted Amy Porterfield's digital course Academy. And then right on the heels of that, I promoted B school and there was like three weeks in between. And as soon as I started that B-School promotion, I could feel right away, like, this is not landing. People, they don't want to hear about this. Like, I didn't, I wasn't, and the way I know that is I wasn't getting that many replies to my email, so that's a big indicator for me. But also, like, my open rates were much lower than usual. So I sort of tried to scale back the segment of people that I was marketing that to, but it was too much. And I couldn't like, because they're affiliate promotions, I couldn't control the timeline, but I would have just had like, you know, if I could go back, I would have just made the hard decision to only promote one or the other. Yeah. Actually looking at my, I know what my former self would have chosen and I would have chosen the wrong one. So some (laughs) lessons like you just, you can't, you can't get away from learning. You just have to learn. You just have to do it. And then you learn. Absolutely. And I think that's one of those things that we all learn the hard way. And I feel like for most of us, it's just getting over the whole sales launch 
process and system. And I remember the first time I did an, an online style launch and I was so terrified of people not opening and then the complaints that you get if you've only been giving stuff for free. I remember those very well. Mm-hmm. And then the unsubscribes. I remember feeling like, mm-hmm. oh, they hate me. They don't want this. So mm-hmm. what do you say to people who are nervous about selling because they're nervous about the reaction? Okay. So um, it's a good thing to provoke a reaction. And one thing, just a, a really important reframe, your highest unsubscribes will also coincide with your highest profit. That's always the way it works. Like during a promotional period, you're getting more unsubscribes and you're also making more money. So you got to take the good with the bad. Um, my, and I, it's always less unsubscribes than I think. And I always make sure I give people an easy way to exit the promo. So sometimes I'll say it right at the top of the email. Like, Hey, if you don't want to hear any more about this, there's a link at the bottom of this email. Just click that. And I won't even talk to you about this ever again. So, and there's always like people there's like, there'll be like, a hundred or I'm even a few hundred people that choose not to hear about it. And that's great. I just saved a few hundred subscribers. Um, so just in terms of people replying though, and saying nasty things like that happens like, uh, like a a well-written email is often polarizing and some people won't like it. Like I, I actually, this, it doesn't happen to me very often, but I got a really mean email. Like, 10 minutes before I got on this podcast interview and it shook me a little bit. Yeah. She was like telling me how terrible my webinar was and how I gave no value and unsubscribing. Bye. And even said like mean things about my kids. And I was like, you know what? As when I read that email, like it definitely felt like a knife in the heart, but also I was like, you know, as soon as she mentioned my kids, I was like, Oh, this is yeah, for sure. But what clicked with me even more was like, oh, this is your stuff. Like Mm -hmm. you've got some deep, some really hard things going on. This is your stuff. Um, so it's important to recognize and like not take on that, like that pain that your subscriber is feeling when they hit reply and say something mean. But it's gonna happen. And like if you need everyone on your on your email list to love you, like girl, you're gonna have a really hard time building your business. It's gonna be tough, that's for sure. Yeah. And I always have to remind myself that people like that are gonna be nightmare clients. The worst. So They're the worst clients. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm glad I did I did something that helped them see that I'm not the fit for them. And I just released yeah. them and I'm like go find someone else who will tolerate that. <laughs> yeah. It's not me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nice. You just gave so much great insight into how, how to write better emails and how to connect with your list in a much deeper way to get those kind of results where you can have a really small list, but make a lot more profit off of it. As you've been making this overall shift in your business, and now you're focused not just on email, but on the overall launch, how would you recommend people think about tying together their email with kind of big picture launch strategy? Okay. So I rec uh, something that I do. And in fact, I can just offer this to your listeners as like, you don't have to opt in or anything. I'll just give you a link to this Google doc that I use to plan promotions. It is so easy to use. It's in Google, it's a Google doc Mm -hmm. and it's just a table and it's a calendar. 
So I start with a calendar and I plot in the important dates, like cart or like webinar invites are going to start. I put the webinars in there. I put the cart open and the cart closed. And once I have those key dates in there, then I work backwards. Like, okay, webinar invites on this day. Show up. These are the show up emails that I'm going to send out. Um, here is the here's like the promo emails that I'm going to send. So like and being that creating that document like the first time I did it I just created it for myself because I was feeling like there were a lot of moving parts and I just needed one place to be able to see the yeah. whole thing. It's like Without, oh my like, gosh, I need so many emails for one. Yeah, oh yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Scary, yeah. But also way less scary than doing a big funnel map, which like is a whole different thing. Like this is just a Google Doc, it's so easy to use. So I created that and I felt such relief because I could see it all. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I started sharing it with my team, like my ads manager and my business manager and like my designer. So they could see, we could all see, like we all knew what was going on. It's easy for anyone to understand. You don't need some knowledge of fancy software. Like, uh, and to me, this is really key. Like a lot of people don't take the time to do that and they don't send enough promo emails. So they miss out on sales. Or maybe they only send one webinar invite, so you miss out on potential buyers. Um, yeah, so I would recommend that, and I'll share the link with you, if that's all right. I love that, and I do something similar, except I'm old school. I start with my desk calendar and Post-it notes. Mm, perfect. <laughs> and perfect. I have, like, one color Post-it note for email, and one color Post-it yes. note for ads, and one color Post-it note for, you know, if we have to make edits to the sales page, like add a timer or anything like that. I love having a good old fashioned oh. calendar because it just helps me see. Yeah. Like, That's brilliant. Happening. That's so brilliant. And then you can take emails and move them around too. So I actually, mm. I love your system so much. That's beautiful. And yeah, for my problem is that like, I have to tell it to the team, right? You can snap a picture at any time, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you that was snap awesome. A picture and send it to someone to turn into a digital thing. That's what I would do. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much for all of your great wisdom. And as we wrap up, you know, you shared a lot about taking this, this leap and making a transition towards more big picture launch strategy mm -hmm. versus just being the copywriter for hire and how that's been challenging. And you've had to learn how to say no and turn down business. So as we wrap up, I want to ask you, you know, a lot of women really struggle to see themselves as the CEO of their business mm -hmm. as the decision maker, as the person in charge of setting the course, you know, creating this vision for their business. So I'd love to hear what does being the CEO mean to you? What does that role look like for you in your own business? So as the CEO, I am the visionary and I need to not only create the vision, I also need to share the vision for my team and make sure that they are all on board with it and they know what I'm trying to do. So um, that's a big one is like actually sitting down and thinking about the vision and writing it out. Like what's my vision for my team? Um, what's my vision for um, speaking? And what's my vision for my revenue and how that revenue comes in? My vision for clients, like all that stuff. I have that all written down. Um, but also, and this is hard to do in the beginning of your business, but I also delegate more and more and more and trust that those on my team are getting it done. So I'm really fortunate. Um, my business manager, she started out as my VA, but now she's doing much higher level role. She does like strategy with me and 
I can, I hand so much off to her without explaining it all because we worked when we worked up to that, like, I don't tell her like how to tag things and like, I trust her. She's trained. She knows how to do that. So that's like a lot of letting go. And honestly, it means that we make, we make mistakes. Like I'm not micromanaging anyone and I hate being micromanaged. I know Sandra would hate that. Um, so it's a lot of trust, but it's a lot of like getting out of the weeds. Like I don't, I, I had to actually email Sandra and be like, or message her on Slack and be like, how many people do we have signed up to with the webinar today? Like, I don't even know how to find that information because <laughs> I'm, that's not my business. Like I send a message and I get the answer when I need it. I love that. And that's something we all have to remember. I had some great advice when I first started my business and it was to fire myself from as many roles as I could as quickly mm-hmm. as I could. And so now yeah. I'm at the space you're at. I'm, if somebody asks me, well, how do I get access to something? I'm like, I have no idea. Email lane. <laughs> they ask me, yeah. how do I update billing? And I'm like, I have no idea. Email lane. Cause I don't yeah. I have to stay out of the weeds. So I really appreciate you sharing that because I feel that trust is a big part of stepping into CEO so that you can mm. stay focused on that vision and stay focused on getting your message out there. I love it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I can't wait to share your wisdom with everybody. Thanks, Rachel. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Tarzan. I think there are so many insights and lessons to take away. So many things that we don't think about when we're going through a pivot. And it can be scary. It can feel very scary. But I, what I want you to really know is that it is natural for your business to evolve. It is 100% okay to change certain things about your business as you go. And it might feel like you're going through a lot of hard lessons as you pivot, as you change things in your business. But the faster you make those decisions and the clearer the boundaries are, the easier it will be for you. So a few things that we talked about that I really want to highlight. One, it is okay for your offers to evolve. It is okay to go from offering work in one specific way, like Tarzan talked about how she had a day rate and she was literally working with people for a whole day, banging out their copy, to now having a course where she's teaching and then going from just copywriting to now more strategy. It is okay to shift the way that you work. In fact, this happens a lot with many of my clients when they're realizing that they're running out of room in their calendar. They're just hitting a wall. They're hitting a glass ceiling and how many people they can reach and serve with their existing offers. So it is okay to change your offers. It's also okay to outgrow your offers. I know that over the years, I have launched programs and retired them. I had a program about social media, probably 2012, that I took off the market a year later. I had a program about launching a website that I took off the market a year later. I have completely overhauled and rebranded our signature program, and I'm about to go through a complete transformation of our signature program. It is okay for your offers to change, the way you deliver them to change, the way that you work with clients to change. Your overall dream client might change. This is something that I have experienced, that Tarzan has experienced. 
I went from working with yoga business owners to suddenly having all sorts of different types of entrepreneurs coming my way. The connecting thread for a lot of them was they were service-based business owners who had experience, who had education, who had expertise that they wanted to share and they wanted to teach, they wanted to coach, they wanted to train people. So I realized that by letting go of a brand, the Yogipreneur, I was actually saying yes to more of the right types of people who could really benefit from working with me. This is something that might happen for you as well. The people you start with might not be the people that you end working with in your business. They might change slightly. They might be at a different level. They might be at a different stage. There's so many things that could change. And you learn more and more and more about the types of people you want to be working with the more that you are or the longer that you are in business. And I really want to drive this home. You might outgrow some people. You might realize that you don't love working with super beginners. You'd prefer to work with people who are a little bit more established. Or maybe you really love working with beginners and you just really want to focus on a specific stage in their journey. You might have a type of person who you worked with five years ago who would no longer be a perfect fit for you. And that is okay. You don't have to make everyone happy. You don't have to build your business around making everyone happy. You really have to be thinking about how can you make your business truly work for you? Because if your business isn't working for you, then what's the point, right? So if you love this conversation, I would love to hear from you. And I know Tarzan would as well. So please take a quick screenshot of today's episode, share it on Instagram, tag me at rachel.cook, tag Tarzan at Tarzan K, and let us know your biggest aha or insight or takeaway in this conversation around pivoting, around making the most of your email marketing, and all the things that we talked about today. And don't forget, I have an all new live masterclass for women entrepreneurs happening soon. The three essential strategies to design a predictably profitable business. This masterclass is all about how to grow a service-based business that consistently attracts clients and cash flow every single month without the nonstop hustle and burnout. So if you are ready to make a transformation in your business, if you're ready to make sure that your business is consistently paying you, taking care of you and your family, then you'll want to join us for this master class. I'm going to be sharing how you create a baseline revenue plan, one that actually makes sure your bills are taken care of every single month. The five-part marketing strategy I use to consistently attract new clients into my business even when I'm not working, the most effective way to plan for predictable profits so we know what we are doing every single month in the business, this is a can't miss. So head over to yoursweetspotstrategy.com. Again, the link is in the show notes so that you can join us. There are two times available. For the latest episodes and full show notes of Promote Yourself to CEO, head over to rachelcook.com slash show. If you don't want to miss it or any future episodes, make sure you subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Shout out to Jamison Cook from JCC Podcast Production for producing and editing the show. Go check him out at jamisoncook.com to bring your podcast to life. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Promote Yourself to CEO. Talk soon.